0: 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3.
1: Money FM 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham. Time now to check in with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist, all the way out in Brisbane to get all the headlines from Australia. Jason, how are you doing? G'day, Adrian,
0: as they say here. Happy lunchtime to you and all the listeners. I'm doing well. It's uh, been about three weeks, I think, since we last spoke. So lots to catch up on.
1: Yeah, we had Chinese New Year in between that. How are the celebrations?
0: They were good. Yes, we had a bit of a hot pot in an area of close to Chinatown here in Brisbane. And, you know, I was wearing red. I think I was the only one wearing red there. With, I was with a bunch of people from Hong Kong and I think they were a bit relaxed. They're in the Australian style. But uh, my daughter really enjoyed it. Uh, getting all the red packets.
1: Lovely. Absolutely fantastic. Let's get straight into it. Starting with COVID-19 and the international borders are open. Uh, tell me a little bit more about tourism. What's been the initial response like?
0: Yeah, the international borders have kind of reopened in stages and we do have that travel lane between Singapore and Australia, which means it's easier for Singaporeans to come here and vice versa, but it's uh, really not properly open when it comes to international tourism. It's been almost two years since the nation's international border was closed. The tourism sector here has been hit very, very hard. So we uh, heard from the Federal Minister for Home Affairs, Karen Andrews. She says the decision's imminent pending final health advice about completely opening the borders to to tourists from all around the world, from the US, the UK, Europe, and so on. And, of course, the Novak Djokovic uh, saga that we saw with him travelling from Europe and being turned around, not able to play in the Australian Open that Rafael Nadal won just a couple of weeks ago hasn't helped Australia's international image. And we don't want Australia to be isolated because we really depend on a lot of international tourism um, for uh, revenue when it comes to states like Queensland and Western Australia, and of course, New
1: South Wales and Victoria. Yeah, what a final that was as well, Rafael Nadal against Daniel Medvedev. And what a tournament for Ashley Barty as well, the home favourite, you know, she won the women's singles and what a start to the year it's been for her onwards and upwards. Sticking with COVID-19, the Omicron variant has wreaked havoc across Australia. It's not as deadly as the Delta variant, but it's certainly hit Australia quite hard.
0: It really has, you know, Adrian. And you say it's not as deadly. It's not as deadly for, you know, normal adults and people. Kind of in that um, age group under sixty, but if you're over sixty, it is very, very deadly. Here we've seen a, a real crisis in uh, aged care facilities across Australia. Just in Queensland, where I am, we saw 19 deaths in the last 24 hours uh, in um, coronavirus cases. Ten of those in aged care. And just to put things in perspective, you know, before the Omicron variant happened, uh, you know, at the end of last year, we don't had only seven or eight deaths for the entire pandemic now we've had more than 200 in the state of Queensland which is of a similar size in terms of population as uh, Singapore you know every day we're getting around 100 uh, COVID deaths so it's very depressing and you know the optimism that we had maybe at the end of last year when we had the head of Qantas we had the New South Wales Premier Dominic Perrottet and the Prime Minister Scott Morrison saying you know the flights are going to start again and everything's going back to normal that mood has changed dramatically in three months time but Let's keep our fingers crossed and hope that the uh, tourism does return because we really need it. But we are battling every day very, very depressing numbers when it comes to aged care
1: facilities. Yeah, the pandemic has battered the tourism industry all across the world, and just as you start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, another variant or another sub-variant emerges and you're, you know, back to square one again. Prime Minister Scott Morrison's also been in the news. His popularity has slumped after a series of, let's say, comical errors. <laughs> Yeah, he's really not helped himself. And now this is an election
0: year. I remember the last election was in 2019 and I was uh, doing coverage for Money FM and that was when Scott Morrison was reelected. Uh, you know, he was the underdog in that one, but he's looking really, really bad for the election because he's uh, made many, many mistakes when it comes to the pandemic. A most recent one has been the unavailability of rapid antigen tests and the fact that They aren't free for everyone. We have to pay for them and there's price gouging and we can't get them. And uh, now he's been called a liar by his deputy leader, Barnaby Joyce, in a text message. The exchange was uh, some time ago before... Barnaby Joyce was actually promoted to his current role. But this is someone that, uh, you know, is really getting uh, under the skin of Scott Morrison, called him a horrible person and a complete psycho. And then we had the Premier of New South Wales or the former Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Jiggly, and a text message from her was leaked, also criticising him, saying a hypocrite and a liar, and all these sort of text messages have come out. So uh, he's behind in the opinion polls. Very, very much behind. So it's going to be difficult for him to get re-elected. But the one thing he has in his favour is that the economy is doing well here and also that the opposition leader, Anthony Albanese, he hasn't really convinced too many people that he is a great alternative to Scott Morrison, even though the Labour Party, the opposition party, is more than 10 points ahead on a head-to-head basis with uh, Scott Morrison's Liberal National Party.
1: Yeah, the Australian election certainly wants to, you know, keep an eye out for as we approach that deadline as well. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist all the way out in Australia, getting the latest headlines from down under. Let's talk unemployment rates in Australia near record low levels as the central bank um, has kept interest rate at 0.1 percent for now. What more can you tell me about this? Well the unemployment
0: rate is uh, really really low at the moment you know and they are predicting that it could get under 4% could get to 3.75% by the end of 2023 that's the prediction from the Reserve Bank and that would be fantastic for uh, Australians. But there is a kind of a complex story to be told here because even though the unemployment rate's just above 4% at the moment, which is very, very low historically, there are a lot of people who aren't getting the kind of work that they want. Uh, They might be casual labor, they may be getting 20 hours a week. And we've seen wage growth stagnate. So even though the current unemployment rate is 4.2%, it doesn't tell the whole story of the labour force here in Australia and how many Australians, including myself, would prefer to get more better paid work than we are currently getting. Uh, and the last time that the unemployment rate fell under 4% was back in 1978, when it fell to 3.75%. That was before you were born, Adrian, and it was also when I was at high school in Sydney. So that's a long long time ago. So this is I guess we get back to the uh, the election coming up by the end of May. This is the best hope that Scott Morrison has to point towards the strong recovery from uh, the pandemic in terms of the economy and this very low unemployment rate, but not every Australian is happy with the quality of work that they've got, the high price of real estate and the money in the bank
1: Yeah, very good points made there by Jason Dacey, but also looks good for Scott Morrison if he can keep that unemployment rate low. Uh, Time to discuss uh, very interesting uh, sporting talking points over in Australia, mainly cricket, and to do with the uh, Australian coach, Justin Langer, who's quit abruptly. Now, he took over after the... uh, Infamous sandpaper incident in South Africa a few years ago with the captain Steve Smith, David Warner involved in that, and he's managed to win the ashes or retain the ashes, I would say, and also win the T20 World Cup along the way. Now, where did it go wrong for him? Because he was doing so well, and I feel Australia's lost a very good coach in Justin Langer.
0: Yeah, look, I know that uh, your listeners aren't big cricket fans, but they would know enough about cricket to realize that in Australia, the National Cricket coach for the men's team is uh, right up there on a pedestal. It's a very important role. And cricket is the one sport here that unites the country because in different states we have different football codes, as as a lot of you listeners would know. So Justin Langer was only offered a, a short-term contract extension as head coach at something like six months. And he thought this was an insult. Now, Justin Langer is a is a national hero from his days as a player. Uh, he's 51 years old, and he and Matthew Hayden were the superstar opening combat. Nation for Australia during, you know, maybe 15 to 20 years ago. Uh, so he's really a, a very popular Western Australian. He's a martial arts black belt, extremely disciplined. But I think maybe his temper or his extra, I guess, zealous uh, kind of attitude towards players, Put some of the team offside Despite the success that you've mentioned They beat England in the recent Ashes series They won the T20 World Cup And quite tellingly, uh, Pat Cummins The current captain of Australia Wasn't really forthright in defending Justin Langer When he was asked about the future of the coach A few days ago And that was always a a telltale sign When it was very easy for him to say Oh, he's done a fantastic job We need to keep him on He didn't say that He was very non-committal So it was almost about what he didn't say (laughs) Compared to what he did did say and that I guess Langer saw the writing on the wall and decided to quit, and he released a, a letter, a note that uh, was leaked actually to the media, and uh, it said, you know, he felt he was pushed out, and he's very upset about it.
1: Yeah, it certainly looks that like he was pushed out, but whoever ropes him in next will be blessed with an incredible coach. Yes, his. Man management has been questioned. He's incredibly meticulous, can be probably annoying to the players, but he gets results, and that's the most important thing when it comes to the world of sports. Just before I let you go, Winter Olympics out in China. Australia's grabbed their first Winter Olympics gold in 12 years. Tell me more. Yeah, I mean, Australia competing in the
0: Winter Olympics, some might say is like uh, Jamaica, you know, competing in the bobsled, that famous film. Oh, that came out of Cool a Runnings. Years ago.
1: Yes, great film. Yeah, Cool
0: Runnings. <laughs> that was a great film. So the, the name of the gold medalist is Jakara Anthony. She wins Australia's first gold at the Beijing Winter Olympics in the Women's Moguls. I know very little about winter sports, and I have covered it before, uh, but I know enough to tell you that the last time that Australia won a gold medal in the Winter Olympics was 12 years ago. We've only won six gold medals in our history, and I, I guess we compare this to Singapore in the Summer Olympics just with the one – Uh, gold medal in history through Joseph Schooling. Uh, But, yeah, this was a real big uh, surprise to me. She dominated the women's moguls competition since it began last Thursday. The final was on Sunday, and she's 23 years of age, and she showed cool nerves to top the standings uh, with some excellent scores above 80. And, uh, you know, we also won a bronze medal on the day as well. It's the first time I think Australia's won multiple medals in the winter games. And, and Singaporeans know that we do have snow in Australia in the snowfields of New South Wales and Victoria. So every Aussie goes down there and enjoys the uh, skis season at one point or another, but it's a bit un- unfamiliar to us, a bit like Singaporeans watching it as well. Full credit to the gold medalist from
1: Australia, Jakara Anthony. She is a champion in the women's moguls. Remarkable achievement. And um, as you rightly mentioned there, there's probably not as much hype when it comes to the Winter Olympics compared to the Summer Olympics, but still a great achievement. We've been in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist all the way out in Brisbane, catching up on the latest headlines from Australia. Thank you so much for your time and have a great rest of the week.
0: Thank you very much, Adrian. And I'm very excited because I just dropped off my daughter to high school. She's starting high school this year. Our return to school was delayed because of uh, COVID. So, yeah, I've uh, I've posted some photos of her in her beautiful purple uniform. So I think every parent and grandparent out there can relate to what I'm talking about. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg
1: or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O.